What's going on in North Carolina A&T? How does your star running back and head coach leave after a season like that? Also, let's look back at some of the best quotes from the Celebration Bowl press conference. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything hbcu athletics monday through friday part of the locked on podcast network your team every day and now of course sam darian gray aka the mouth of the south texas southern alum and former tsu herald sports editor thank you for going on this journey with me making locked on hbcu your first listen of the day every day and remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives and I want to talk about North Carolina A&T because what is going on? There are major, major changes out there in Greensboro, and honestly, I'm shocked. I am shocked. Coach Sam Washington and star running back Bashul Tootin are both gone. Now, Tootin into the transfer portal. But the more shocking news of the day was Sam Washington and North Carolina A&T have mutually agreed well, I don't know if it's mutual. It doesn't sound like it's mutual, but they have agreed to part ways. And that took me by surprise. Um, the article that I read reporting it at first said that he had seen a decline in wins. Listen, statistically, that might be true, but let's get that out of here. That's not the case. The real about the last two seasons as opposed to the first two seasons is that he took a year to get adjusted to the Big South. After that, he bounced back with a strong year. They were a game away from winning the Big South this year. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear the idea that he declined, right? I think he had enough success this year to be able to retain his position. That's my opinion. Now, talk to my guy Mo. Out there in Alabama, he was talking about a sister uh, station of his, and they were all talking, and it sounds like it was a buyout because they want a new direction when they're going into a new conference. I understand logically, I, I can wrap my head around the idea of wanting a new start, but to me, you don't refresh just to refresh. And I think that's what this is. I don't think you needed to get rid of Sam Washington just because you're going to the CAA. They say this is one of the most executive decisions, right? This came from really high, high up. I just don't know. This is one of those things where I think it needs to work out. And I've said that before, you know, um, not in this particular situation, but I've said it. There's certain decisions that have to work out to be good decisions because they're head scratches at first. Right. There's decisions that are clearly good decisions. There's decisions that are, you know, on the fence. And then there's decisions that if they don't work out, you look really bad because it's really not that great a decision. But all well, that ends OK. That's what this feels like to me. This I just I don't like it. And it doesn't seem like a lot of Aggie Nation likes it. That's my side of it. I think that they should have kept Sam Washington and rolled into the CAA. And the move that preceded it, I wonder if Tootin had any knowledge that this was about to go down. It shouldn't shock anybody if he had knowledge this was about to go down and said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and get in the transfer portal. Maybe Sam Washington already going and telling his team, I'm not going to be here. You know, um, 
Now, I don't think Taekwon King had that information because he got in the transfer portal a little while ago. But Tootin came out, got in the transfer portal today, and then also Washington gets fired today. If I'm any HBCU with a opening, first thing I'm doing, I'm calling Washington. Valley, I'm calling Washington. Bethune, I'm calling Washington. Bowie State, I'm calling Washington. Right? Because Bowie State still has a name, Kyle Jackson, the official head coach. I am calling Washington. Stat. But let's talk about the move uh, for Tootin to enter the transfer portal. This actually did not surprise me, and I kind of felt it coming even before the buyout. You know, when I first saw the news, I was like, you know what? I felt that coming. And I thought about it the other day because I really do want to interview more players during the offseason. So after the Celebration Bowl and things, you know, probably before some of these games, these bowl games, these pre-draft bowl games, I want to start interviewing players and continuing that throughout the year. And he was one of the first names that came to my mind. This will hurt because y'all know I love praising uh, Tootin. Y'all know I love praising Tootin. I think he had a phenomenal year and one that I didn't hear talked about nearly enough. But I kind of felt it when I thought of his name. I said, mm, I kind of feel like he's going to enter the portal. And I don't know why I thought that. I ain't hear no rumblings or nothing. It was just a gut feeling. If y'all want to say I'm on Brian mode, say I'm on Brian mode. But the truth of the matter is I just had this feeling that he might enter the transfer, the transfer portal. You know, and he did. And he put a lot of great film out there this year. You know, he he sat last year behind Jermaine Martin, but we saw the the bubbling. We saw it, you know, like, okay, this guy got something. Um, this year he had full opportunities, and he took full advantage of those opportunities. He had a record-setting year where he had the most consecutive 100-yard games in Big South history. Um, he showed suddenness on film. He showed vision. He showed explosiveness. He showed all of these things on film, the ability to receive the ball. He showed all of these things on film that should make him an attractive prospect to a lot of these other schools. So we wish him the best wherever he goes. This is going to have two impacts on North Carolina A&T, and a lot of this is dependent on who the coach is going to be. But, A, you have to replace a superstar. I, I really think he was on his way to being a superstar running back. I think you were going to have Tariq Cohen, Jermaine Martin, Bashul too. Like, I really think it was about to be a run of North Carolina A&T running backs. And you're going to have to replace that. Luckily, you have a pair right now. Everything could be changed. But right now you have a pair of redshirt freshmen in uh, Wesley Graves and Dixon. So you're going to be counting on them to really take up the load, right? Um, the other way that this affects the Aggies is Jalen Fowler is probably going to have to take on a little bit more responsibility now. I thought he improved a lot, or I thought he looked really good. You know, um, I think it was Malik. It was one of my draft HBCU guys. He said that Fowler was the most improved quarterback and most improved player, I think, in this season. I thought he looked really good, and, and he, he, he got more comfortable. We might have to see him take on a, a larger role in the offense. He might have to be the engine. Before that, it was Tootin. Tootin was the engine, but when Fowler came in is when all the success started coming up. It might be Tootin, or excuse me, it might be Fowler who now has to be that engine and continue to keep the success of the team. All of this is dependent on who they bring in because the new coach is probably going to want to bring in new players. He might want to go to a run-heavy system, and he might want to make Graves the the new engine, or he might want to bring in a running back of his own, or he might want to air it out, and now Fowler is the guy trying to do that. There are so many different ways and so much uncertainty now that I don't really know if we can get a concrete prediction on what to expect from North Carolina ANC in 2023, but I'll tell you what, we will be watching, both I and you, whether you listen to the show or just watching yourself, you will be checking this out because we need to know what's going to happen 
in North Carolina A&T. Going forward, we're going to start reviewing some of the best quotes from the Celebration Bowl press conference. And we're looking at North Carolina Central. Yes, North Carolina Central, not A&T, Mr. Robinson, but North Carolina Central head coach Trey Oliver talking about how his team was battle tested. And that's what we'll be looking at going forward. Before I get into that, however, today's episode is brought to you by NHTSA. And this is just a PSA telling you. What is the reason to drive in pair? There's no reason to drive under the influence. You could be kicking it, hanging with your friends, putting back a couple of drinks, but you got to understand when enough is enough. Maybe you had a few drinks. You think I'm good. Even if I do drive, the worst thing that could happen is I get pulled over. The worst thing that could happen is uh, I I hit something or I, I, I wreck my car. No, the worst thing that could happen is you take a life. You know, and I I hate that we have to get so somber, but this is the truth of the matter. There is no excuse to drive under the influence. Uber exists. Lyft exists. Your friends exist. Use the resources at your disposal, whether that's your phone or the people right next to you. Use those resources and don't allow anybody you care about to drive drunk either. Take the keys off from a ride. Tell them you'll take them back the next day. It does not matter. Do your part both if you're drinking or you're around somebody who you think has also been drinking too much. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day for your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out Peter Bukowski on Locked on Sports Today, bringing in all of the experts to break down the biggest national stories. And I do take a little bit of pride in being one of those experts. If you wonder why I say it every single time, I got a little pride in that, all right? So go ahead and make sure you check that out. And it's on wherever you get your podcast, including this app right here. So don't even leave the app. Just go listen to them. But I want to talk about some of the bigger quotes from the Celebration Bowl press conference. And we're focusing strictly on North Carolina Central. We've talked about Jackson State, I think, every single day this week. Some of them have been prepped for the game. Some of them haven't. But we've talked about Jackson State enough. Let's give the Eagles some shine. Jackson State ain't going out there and just playing the air. They're playing North Carolina Central. So I want to make sure before we have our big breakdown tomorrow, we still have some isolated love for North Carolina Central. And we're going to be talking about that with this here press conference recap. And I thought one of the bigger things that was said is that, you know, the MIAC isn't respected. This was Coach Oliver, of course, saying this. The MIAC wasn't respected. I think the MIAC is underrated and doesn't get the respect it deserves. To get that respect, let's go play some folks. And that was his way of describing why they picked the people they picked for out-of-conference games, right? And I thought that was such a layered answer. Just looking at that quote right there, it was so much more than that. And he got into more detail. But the baseline is that quote right there. Doesn't get the respect it deserves to get that respect. Let's go play some folks. And I think that's a sentiment that a a large amount of the HBCU community has. You don't have to respect. Let's go play some folks. There's different people. There's different people. But I know a community that Coach Oliver belongs in. He's of the, of the mind that, you know what, we're going to go get our respect. We're going to go play these people. You think we don't play nobody? All right, whatever. We're going to go play these people. And that's the community that I belong to. Some people just said, you know what, forget it. We don't need validation from anywhere else. That's fine, too. That's fine, too. But the competitive side of me expresses itself by saying, I want to go beat the best of the best. I want to go beat a top 25 team like New Hampshire. 
that's me. That's what I look at. That's what Oliver looks at. You know, and I, I appreciate it. I'm just going to be real. I appreciated that idea and that concept, you know, um, and I also thought it was a way of it kind of addressed the fact that the MIAC has a weak exterior. You know, it doesn't mean they're weak, but they have a weak exterior because you only have six teams in a conference, a couple of teams left and FAMU and Bethune not too long ago. That's the reason these out of conference games worse. You know, there were so many of them because Bethune and FAM left and it was like, oh, we ain't expect that. Let's go ahead and schedule these. And that's how they picked them. They wanted tough opponents. But the MEAC, with the fact that they've been losing, you know, teams, they've looked weaker. And I think it was a it was a vote of confidence to say or vote of confidence, excuse me, to say, look, the MEAC is underrated. Doesn't get the respect it deserves as far as competition. So yes, we don't have that many players or that many teams in play, but still. We are a tough conference, and we go out there and we'll prove it. It's kind of like they put the North Carolina Central Pride and the MEAC Pride on their back and just said, you know what, we're going to show y'all exactly what this team in this conference is made of. I got to respect it. You know, first and foremost, I have to respect that. But they let's look at who they played because they said they're battle-tested, and I don't think anybody's taking anything away from there, right? There was one of the quotes in there. He said, you, you can't just play lower-level schools that you're going to beat up on and people respect you. And some might think that's a shot at Jackson State. It's not. It's really not. And I'm going to tell you two reasons of why I don't think it is. One, Campbell beat Central and Jackson State beat Campbell. You better not be sending those shots because that's one of the out-of-conference games and it's something that you took a lot of pride in. So the idea that you're only playing people that you know you can beat, you're going to slap around, and you lost to one of those teams that Jackson State played – I don't think it would be a good look for the program. So even if it's not a respect for Jackson State thing, I just don't think you play that card when y'all had a common opponent and only one of y'all beat that common opponent. It just doesn't, I don't think that would be the case. Secondly, I think he has a lot of respect for Jackson State. I really do. You know, I, I don't think that he would take a petty shot at a press conference like that to say, oh, your strength of schedule wasn't nothing. I think he's just speaking on his team. And I think the problem is so many people have used that as a shot at Jackson State. So you might have used it as a shot to Jackson State or Jackson State fans might have been, you know, just reminded that other people take that as a shot. But no, I don't think that Trey Oliver was shooting at all. I think Trey Oliver was just speaking on his team and saying, listen, I took a lot of pride in the fact that we scheduled some tough opponents. This is how we're prepared for this moment. Excuse me. That's how we're prepared for this moment. Um, and you look at the teams, there's no doubt that he was battle-tested. There's no doubt that this North Carolina Central team has been baptized in the fire. Let's look at their opponents. They're out-of-conference opponents. North Carolina ANC. At that moment, it was the first week of the season, and they were predicted to be the first-place team in the Big South. Well, at the end of the year, they were playing for the Big South Championship. They just didn't, they didn't win the last game, but they were playing for it. You look at New Hampshire. At the time, New Hampshire was the number, 25, number 25th ranked team in the country. Now you fast forward, and what do they end up being? A second-round playoff team. Then you look at Campbell. They lost that game. But you know what? That's still a tough game. We, if we're just talking about in the conversation of a, of, a, uh, of a schedule, we need to have them in a conversation because you're purposely playing. It's not that they beat everybody. We know they didn't go undefeated. But they had a pretty good season. That was part of the, the, the battle test. That's part of being ready for this moment. And you look at Tennessee Tech, that wasn't about them being a good team. That was more so about the environment, the weather, and just adversity not attached to the team, right? Uh, not, not attached to your opponent. 
But that's all out of conference scheduling. That's all things that they thought about. So I look at the teams that they built. I mean, the teams that they beat. When you look at the teams that North Carolina beat, when talking about how they had a strong out of conference test, they beat North Carolina ANC, who at the time was looked at as a really good team. At the end of the season, still a really good team. Second place in the Big South and nearly made it to the FCS playoffs. You look at New Hampshire, the number 25th team in the nation at the time that they played. At the end of the year, they were a playoff team. There's certain certain games and certain wins that look good in the moment, but then they fade as time goes on. That's not the case for North Carolina Central's out-of-conference schedule. Those two victories still look good. So... The next question becomes, how much does being battle-tested matter? I'm not sure. You know, I think that I think that being battle-tested allows you to be ready for a moment, definitely. But at the same time, Jackson State, they're not going to get swallowed up in the moment again, right? You can say that's what happened last year, maybe, if that's what you want to say. Oh, well, being battle-tested, it, it, it played a factor in last year. They weren't ready. That's not going to happen again. It's not. You're not. They're not going to be too big for the moment. It's not going to be too big for you at all. And you look at the fact that you talk about being clutch. I don't think being clutch is something you develop within a season. Like, I don't think you play five tough games as opposed, as opposed to no tough games and all of a sudden you're clutch. I think that's something you just have or you build over years. I don't think it's something that just happens in a singular season. I don't think it works like that. That's my opinion. I don't, I don't know what you think. You let me know what you think. Y'all always do, and I appreciate that. But to me, who you play during that season, being battle-tested in the season, yes, it helps at the end in games like that. It's do or die. You know, you haven't played nobody. That's something that we, we talk about that in all sports. Your strength of schedule is always going to be a talking point once you get to the playoffs, especially in football where it's do or die in one game. But I don't think that it determines how clutch and how you how you perform in the moment. As long as that moment is not too big for you, I don't think being battle tested is that big of a deal. And that's why I don't think that Jackson State maybe not having as many tough out of conference games as North Carolina Central is really going to be a big factor going into the matchup. But we're not done talking about this press conference. Trey Oliver had some more words. He has some more sound bites and more things that I thought were Really interesting moments in this celebration bowl. He was really, the, or in his press conference, he really was the star of that show, and I'm not surprised at all, right? But going forward, we're going to talk about that. First, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Shout out to my people. Let me get this graphic up real quick. All right, Bet Online, the number one sports wagering website, and I've seen them all. I've seen the parlays, I've seen the odds, I've seen all of that on these websites. They don't measure up. They don't compete with Bet Online. Bet Online is the best. They have all of the sports too, right? My brother always telling me, hey "Man, you know you gotta wait me. I gotta watch the I gotta watch the oh, celebration bowl. I gotta watch the World Cup. This, that, and the third. Go ahead and put your money down on the World Cup. You know I'm saying I ain't letting him put his money down on nothing. Boy, too young for that. But you put your money down on the World Cup. Put your money down on the NFL season. We still going strong, even though to me it's basketball season because my NFL team suck. Still rocking the Saints though. Still representing. Y'all know what it is. But we repping the Pels too. Um, <laughs> um, we're still going strong. Make sure you're putting your money down on Bet Online, the fastest, the most versatile, just the overall best website out for sports wagering. Bet Online, where the game starts. Mm-hmm. 
That's a wrap it up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. I appreciate y'all for making it all the way to the end. Shout out to all of my segment three folks. And I want to continue talking about the press conference because I don't want to call Trey Oliver a walking soundbite because he wasn't saying anything eye-popping. He wasn't saying anything controversial. He wasn't saying anything that's going to grab headlines or anything. But when he speaks, I just want to I want to fight for the guy. Like I, I feel like Trey Oliver is the type of coach I would love to have played for because I run through a brick wall for him as the cliche goes, right? You know, I just feel like his players have to believe in what he says because the conviction he speaks with, the passion he speaks with, the, the points that he makes, everything about it, I just think he's he's great during press conferences. And we saw that during the MEAC Media Day. And one of the things that we did see during that media day months ago was a fire. It was a certain fire. I remember it. I asked Blue Bloods about it. And I said, man, it's a certain fire that I seen inside of Trey Oliver when you were talking to him. He said he felt it too. The same fire was here because Ashley Robinson either accidentally or was, you know, trying to make a joke, whatever, said North Carolina A&T instead of North Carolina Central. And Robinson was, or excuse me, uh, 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 Oliver was sitting back in his seat like this. And he sat up, he said, hold on. Then nothing else, which is quiet, hold on. And Robinson fixed it, but it was just funny to me. Um, so I wanted to start off with that because he didn't crack a smile, nothing. He was just stone faced and said, hold on. He later addressed it and said, I caught your shot. We're gonna have to talk about that later, Ashley. But that was funny to me. And it was just a it was a it was a sign that he kept that same energy from the beginning of the year. And it's not always just with the person. It's just to keep the same energy of a fire. You know, he he was very business like in the interview. And he was just everything lined up to me everything that Trey Oliver did and said lined up with who I felt like he had been since the beginning of the year and that was just funny it was just a funny moment right it ain't no drama but it was just a funny moment um let's get to some more of the other things that he had said this is one of the ones I loved coach Oliver said a lot of people looked at me crazy with my recruiting philosophy it's different for each program for Oliver it was about uh, going out and getting high school talent. I wasn't with all of the transfers because for me at the time, I didn't think we could build our program that way. And I've always felt this way. I've always been pro high school talent as opposed to the transfer portal. I think the portal is great and it does great things as far as getting experienced players and sometimes even some more high profile players coming out of high school. It does great for bringing them in. But I agree. When you're trying to build out your foundation, you got to go with the young guys route. Grad transfers are not for foundations. High school players are for foundation. And the funny part about it is that Davius Richard and Khalil Baker, the MEAC offensive and defensive players of the year, those are high school recruits. So when Oliver says the high school players are how we get our foundation, that's perfect example right there. Because not only are they high school recruits for North Carolina Central, they are part of uh, Oliver's first recruiting class. In a way, you know, they had this, the COVID year and it was a skip. So they're juniors. But in a way, this season is kind of the culmination. It's a full cycle for Oliver's first high school recruiting class. I struggle not to see this as a great endorsement. If you want a testimonial, right? If you want a testimonial about how recruiting high school players creates a foundation for your program, look at Coach Oliver, who says this is exactly why he does it. You recruited the offensive and defensive player of the year, and now you're going to a celebration bowl in four years. That's one cycle, and this is the culmination of it. If that recruiting class is the foundation, we have now seen the house be built. 
in four years, you have the offensive defensive player of the year. And even the offensive lineman of the year who was a transfer was a part of that first recruiting class. This is a great endorsement for his ability, Oliver's ability to recruit young players. I love it. Now, continuing with the next quote, he said, we weren't going to put together a game plan for three different teams. And I just thought this was an interesting fact because everybody knows that Miak has more time off than a swack. Right. He said in the first week, he let the players go home, be with the family, enjoy Thanksgiving break, kind of just decompress. The second week they came and got things together, watched film. And then they finally got to creating a game plan. But he said it was three teams like he wasn't going to create a game plan for Southern Prairie View and Jackson State. So he just he felt like that was wasted energy. And we always talk about the time off, the difference in time off between the MEAC and the SWAC. And now we got to look inside of how the MEAC coach actually deals with that time off. I just thought that was kind of interesting because it seems like even if they didn't start until Jackson State won, if you thought that was kind of an overstatement, they probably didn't start until SWAC championship week. So you got an extra week to prepare. Maybe, right? So a, a maximum of an extra week when you thought it might have been an extra two or three weeks if you just feel like Jackson State is already going to be that team that you face. Let's go ahead and dive in and create a game plan for them. I just thought that was interesting to see how that time off was actually used. And then my final one was six conference championships, three black national championships in three different conferences. The question was basically the reason I thought this was important was a the question I was asking and also the success that is represented by Trey Oliver. The question had Dion in it and it was obvious Dion baits me. The question basically asked do you feel like you're underrated with having 20 years of experience and Deion Sanders having two? I just thought that was such a baited question. It was not, it wasn't even well set up in my opinion, you know, like no disrespect to whoever that journalist was. I get why you asked it, but I also felt like he did a great job sidestepping that question. Like, you know what? We're not even going to talk about Dion. We're going to talk about what I've done. And that's six conference championships, three black national championships, three different conferences, Right. So he's won a, a conference championship at the CIAA level when he was a part of North Carolina Central's coaching staff before. He's won a, 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 a MEAC conference championship and a celebration bowl with North Carolina ANC. He's won a, a SWAC championship when he was with Grambling. Like he was a part of all of these great and successful seasons. But now it's on him to prove that he can actually back it up when it's his team. They won a MEAC championship now under his lead, but can you win the celebration bowl? So it's time to take all of that success that you have when you are a part of a coaching staff and make it your success when you are the leader of a coaching staff. But I did think it was nice just to outline all of the success that Coach Oliver has had since his coaching debut about 23 years ago. Now he's got to see. This man just knows how to win when he's a part of something. Can he go ahead and win when he's the leader? We'll see, but we'll talk about this game in full with three storylines, or excuse me, three matchups, two storylines, and a key to victory on tomorrow because it is our last game preview of the year. Ah, disappointed, but it's going to be a good one, so make sure you tune into that on tomorrow's episode for your second listen of the day. Make sure you're checking out Peter Bukowski and Locked On Sports wherever you listen to your podcast, and of course, I deeply appreciate you making us your first listen of the day. In the meantime, in between time, until we... Excuse me, in the meantime, in between time, till the next time we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.